Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And when you hop onto an airplane, you probably don't think that there's a dog somewhere doing uh, work to help you take off. You know, you see the little baggage handlers out your window, they're, they're loading luggage, and you see the flight attendants getting all ready for the flight, and the people checking you in at the airport. But yeah, there might be a dog that's actually helping you get from one location to another. We're going to find out what that's all about today here on Animal Radio. Very excited about that. Also, on the show today, we're starting something kind of brand new. We've been doing this for 18, over 18 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hard to believe. And over the last 18 years... We've had some incredible guests on the show. And this week, we're introducing the Animal Radio Flashback. And on this week's show, you will hear an interview that we did several years ago with one of the top, if not the most popular cartoon voices in the world. Anyone want to take a guess at that? I know who it is. Scooby? No, no, Mm. the world. Oh, oh, okay. I mean. Retro. Nope, 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 nope. nope. I know who it is. And it's not not Mickey Mouse. But I can't, I don't know how to mimic it. That's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on over there, Lori? Well, I have uh, some information on the bucket list dog, Smoke, that we told you about last week, that hound who was at the shelter and had developed a bucket list. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. We have an update for you. And also, uh, police in one state are saying that uh, they believe that perhaps rescuing a pig might be better than, in this case, buying a burglar alarm. (laughs) (laughs) That's on the way. For Dr. Debbie, we have Billy on the phone. Hi, Billy. Hi. How are you? you? I'm good. How are you today? Good. What's going on? Thanks for taking my call. I'm calling regarding two uh, little teacup chihuahuas that I adopted back in June. Uh, They... Got all the vaccinations, and I noticed now they have a spot on uh, each of their hind legs, exact same spot, and it's bald with no hair. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm really concerned. My vet says it looks like it's a reaction from the vaccination. I don't believe they've had any shots. They were in pretty poor condition. And um, I just want some reassurance, hoping that, you know, is this common or... Will the hair grow back? Are they going to turn completely bald? Or yeah, yeah. And Billy, I would have to tell you, I, I don't often say this, but being from Vegas, you know, I will say I will bet my money on this. Okay. <laughs> that that uh-huh. I will agree with your veterinarian that what you're describing certainly sounds like a localized vaccine reaction, and it's for a couple mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, When we give vaccinations in dogs, the protocol for most veterinary offices is we keep track of where those are given, and we try to give Mm -hmm. them in a standardized location. Mm -hmm. And the right rear leg is kind of the unofficial location of where we give the rabies vaccination. Mm -hmm. And um, I do find that some of the short hair dogs, uh, so Mm -hmm. chihuahuas being one of those, um, sometimes Mm -hmm. pit bulls, um, min pins, things like that, um, they sometimes have um, a more notable vaccine reaction in this area. And maybe it's because their hair is really thin and we notice it and they're not a real furry dog. Um, But it it is a what we term a localized vaccine reaction. And it usually doesn't appear necessarily right away after a vaccine. It can happen weeks 
I've even seen it months later. So some dogs will have a little lump right at the site where the injection's given, and that's not unusual. That's pretty typical. And what happens right. after any vaccine is the body forms an immune reaction to it, and that's normal. But mm-hmm. there are some pets where there's they just go awry and something either in the vaccine or within their own body just doesn't sit well with it. And they'll Mm -hmm. develop um, sometimes a little redness, hair loss, Mm -hmm. and then eventually it's just kind of smooth and there's just it looks quiet. There's nothing going on there. Right. Exactly. So, That's exactly how it looks. And they do uh-huh. have, um, like I said, there's a little scar tissue. She can fill it underneath the skin. Yeah. Yeah. And, so it, yeah. it is just cosmetic at this point. So it really is nothing at this point that um, is going to pose a risk to them. But um, okay. so the hair is not going to grow back. And uh, I have had an occasional client that asked me to do a little what we call a scar revision um, if they're bothered by the aesthetics of it. And we can just, mm-hmm. you know, treat it like a tumor and remove that area skin. But really, mm-hmm. it's not necessary. So, oh, Okay. Okay, so, well, yeah. I just wanted to make sure they weren't going to go completely bald. <laughs> no, no. You know, but they will... seem happy, you know, their activity is the same. It's just, you know, one, right away, I noticed, you know, thin uh, hair. The hair was very thin. And then a month or so later, the other dog, that's when I really grew concerned. I thought maybe they have uh, ringworm something. Mm-hmm. And they've had tests, blood work, skin scrapings, everything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, just to be certain that it's not mice or some, something else. Exactly. And, and there are sometimes, I, I do feel that we see this sometimes um, between a dog and maybe particular vaccines, different brands of vaccines, we might see it more often. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in over the almost 20 years I've been practicing, I wouldn't say in the past mm-hmm. years, um, I saw more of this than I do now. And we've kind of modified what companies and what brands we use. And, and I'm very comfortable where we're at right now. But um, if we knew what vaccine they had and what brand or manufacturer, we might try to avoid that because mm-hmm. it would be the potential that this could happen again right um, so just keep that in mind and it might be well worth it if your veterinarian offers you different options either a recombinant vaccine vaccine mm-hmm. which is kind of a, um, a little bit more advanced type vaccine um, mm-hmm. or some other types that uh, you know it, it might be a, a better choice for your baby so this doesn't happen right. oh okay <laughs> thank you so much I appreciate your time thank you I feel okay. so much better well, good. And give those babies a good pat on the head for us. I will. Thank you so much. one 405 toll-free to the Dream Team. Uh, Dr. Debbie's books, check them out. If you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, this is the official owner's manual. As I've just declared it, the official owner's manual. How to be your dog's best friend. Links over at the Animal Radio website. Well, hello, Diabra. Hello, Dr. Debbie. Hi there. Hi, How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. You? I can't complain, and, and Hal wouldn't listen, and certainly no one else would listen, <laughs> but my dogs do, so that's the great thing. Do you have doggies yourself? Yes, ma'am. I got one. Okay. How's it going? Yes. Everything going well? Yes. Um, not bad at home in the state of Washington. Uh, three months ago, would not let me get her sentinel. They okay. said that um, she has to have blood work done. Every, okay. every year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> it's just all of a sudden they've done that on me. And um, so she's gone three months without her medication. 
Oh, yikes. Yikes. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure what the heartworm incidence is in your particular area, but, but I can tell you that at my office we do, um, and I hate to say require because that's such a bad word, but we do suggest that there's an annual heartworm test when a pet is on preventative. Um, there are a couple reasons for that, and it's mostly for your pet safety. But the biggest reason is that uh, we know that not every product is 100% effective and that whether it be shortcomings where a dog might vomit up their pill outside um, or um, maybe that there's some drug-resistant uh, heartworm strains out there, um, those are certainly possible causes of why we might be worried that a pet that's on preventative might still get the disease, and that's why we would retest on an annual basis. And there's some seasonality to infections, and um, depending on the you know, where you're at in the country and if you're on year-round or part of the year. So there's definitely some possibilities where we can see a pet that's on preventative getting the disease. And um, she's been on it since she was uh, four to six weeks old, and uh, I'm the over-the-road truck driver, and I've been all over the United States. Uh-huh. But, oh, yeah. Well, and she goes with you? Oh, yes. Yeah, she's been with, on the truck since she was four weeks old. And, uh, yeah. Yes, so um, you're, you're you're traveling through a lot of different uh, states then, and, and I would have to say that I, I would endorse that recommendation to have her tested yearly. And, um, you know, even us being the most well-intentioned pet owners, sometimes things can happen, and no medication is 100%. And I'd have to say that there's actually a lot of manufacturers and these drug producers that actually will they will endorse their product and guarantee it if you buy it through the normal veterinary channels. And I can say that for um, the oh, one company. Oh, that's all I have that... any of her stuff is through the veterinarian. And, well, see, I've been giving her the essential now, and uh-huh. I've been putting the front line, that the one that you get uh, at the vet, uh-huh. on her, because in some states they have more of a flea problem or a tick oh, sure. than others. Yeah, and I think I mean you're you're doing a lot of the right stuff, and um, you know I I think it's great to question as far as and ask why this needs to be done. But I would have to say your pet is probably in a little bit higher risk group because you're going through a lot of different climates, versus you know say some dog that maybe lives in a dry climate like Las Vegas where we don't have as much heartworm as some of these other parts of the country. So um, I would have to say I would say that's still a good sound medical decision, and I would embrace that. What your what your vet has recommended and I think it's it may seem unnecessary but heaven forbid your pet's the one that comes up positive and we are misled believing that the pet is protected so I vote for it I'm sorry I can't hear you there my husband had a question he was wondering if uh, cats can get heartworms and humans Cats certainly can, and in in some areas of the country where heartworm is a big problem, the kitties are actually put on preventative. Now, humans, I don't believe they get it because it's it's a little bit different. Um, But, uh, yeah, cats certainly can, and even ferrets have been known to develop heartworm disease. So if you're in an area that has mosquitoes... You should be thinking heartworm for your dogs and cats. 1-866-405-8405 to talk to any one of the Dream Team right now. This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. 
Their website's redbarninc.com. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you, right now, want to take, wait, give me the line again, my brain skipped. <laughs> Brett Michaels. I just have one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead. do that, say don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio, Brett Michaels and Animal Radio. You got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio, and take care of your pets. They will rock your world. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan, host of the weekly CBS TV series, Lucky Dog. I'm also the spokesperson for the 10th annual Get Your Licks on Route 66 Pet Adoption Tour, brought to you by Fido Friendly Magazine. The tour travels from L.A. to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. I'll be at the L.A. kickoff event on September 8th, along with some great pets that are available for adoption. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows? just might find your new forever friend. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets going to go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds toll free at 1-866-405-8405 don't forget you can also ask your questions from the free animal radio app for iphone android and blackberry but we'd love to hear your voice your charming little voice right now so give us a call if you have a question also coming up in just a couple of minutes we're going to talk about a job that a dog a very special dog has you know dogs love jobs Mm-hmm. Ladybug, uh, her job, what is her job anyway? Is it just security around here? Keep the cat in line. <laughs> Keep the cats in line. Yes. Okay. Keep them off the counters and off the equipment and stuff. Yes. Every dog needs a job because that's how you have a fulfilled animal so that they are not anxious, destructive, depressed, and, and develop other behavioral problems. I totally get that because if, for me, it's if I'm not doing anything, I can get into trouble. We're going to talk to Russ Kennedy. He has a dog that does something very special for the Charleston, West Virginia airport. Yeah, he works at the airport. The dog works at the airport. Like a greeter? That's a real job. (laughs) We're going to find out what it is just around the corner. What are you working on, Lori? Well, yeah, I know we've all heard about that story where uh, a man was supposedly licked by a dog and lost parts of his arms and his legs. So, yeah, we're going to give you the latest on what we know about this and and try and explain some of this and tell you how it's probably in your house today. But, hell, who knows? May not be tomorrow. That's on the way. (laughs) Lots to learn. Yep. (laughs) Hi, Kathy. Hi. I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, so I'm not going to waste any time. She's right here. Oh, hi there. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing super. What kind of pet question you got today for me? Well, I hope you can answer this for me because I've had my little doggie to the vet, and um, she's been um, spaded and everything. The problem I'm having with her is she looks like she's been heat. Um, the mm. vet um, took some tests on her. It's not cancer. Um, and her, her little brows back by her private parts are all swollen up, too. And do you know what could cause this? 
Well, yeah, a couple different things, but I got a couple questions for you there first. Um, now, you said she was spayed. How old was she when she was spayed? She was probably about three to four months. Okay. And with the current signs that she's doing right now, how long has that been going on? Well, okay, when I took her to the vet, it had been going on about a week. And okay. the vet said to wait three weeks. Well, I've, I've waited three weeks. The swelling in her private parts have gone down just a little bit, but not much. And she licks herself a lot like she's in heat. Okay. All righty. There's, there's two big categories for a young dog that has been spayed that's having signs of being in heat where their breast tissue, their nipples are getting big, the vaginal area is swelling. If we're seeing that in an older dog, I start talking about a lot of other health conditions, tumors, adrenal gland problems. But in a young dog, there's two categories that I would look at. One would be the possibility that we could have some extra ovarian tissue somewhere still in her abdomen. Sometimes it happens as a kind of a freaky occurrence where there's extra tissue somewhere. Sometimes it happens because there's a little bit left behind um, when the pet is spayed. And if that still is behind, that tissue produces those same hormones of when they're in heat, and we can see those same changes externally as a response to that. So that is a possibility. The other possibility, which increasingly is on our minds now, is that women who use hormone replacement therapy for their menopause signs, there's a lot of different forms that are in use, sprays, gels, different topical creams. When a woman is using those in the household and they have animals, there is the potential by casual contact alone that that can affect the pet and it can actually create signs of being in heat. Um, believe it or not, male dogs can even have some issues as well. So um, I would definitely want to ask you as far as if there's any possibility anyone in the home is using any of those kind of products. Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Okay. And because that is definitely one that I can tell you, I've done extensive testing on pets to try to figure out the cause of uh, reoccurrence of heat signs. And a lot of times that is just the... That seems uh, to be making the news a lot recently. It really is. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be that a dog licks it off the area that's treated. This is just casual contact from the woman who's got it on her skin and Hmm. just touching the pet or uh, having the pet even cuddle with her. So... So, yeah, something to keep on your radars, ladies, if you use that. Now, in your situation, if we don't feel that there's any possible uh, hormone replacement um, issue in the household, then I might really say let's let's talk about watching to see if, if this is a true heat cycle. Pets who have ovarian remnants, the little bits of ovary, ovarian tissue still behind, if they go into cycles, they tend to have actual heat cycles. So it may be present like it normally would for heat, go away, and then come back again six months later. If you have that type of cycle, that's pretty indicative in my mind that we need to go in and explore and look and see if there's any ovarian tissue still inside there. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, your vet may be able to, if they're the ones who perform this surgery, you know, they may be the best to ask about that. Um, but in my office, if that ever happens, that's something that I definitely would, um, you know, entertain that possibility. We're all human, and, you know, those kind of things can happen, as well as some weird situations I've had where pets have had um, extra ovarian tissue um, that's actually in other areas of the abdomen. So um, 
if your pet's showing signs right now, that's definitely something that that's the time to address that and to actually go in and explore. Wow. The heat cycle is every six months is what you're telling me? Am I learning something new? No, I think you're just listening now, Hal. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with Dr. Debbie right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food, simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, by now, you've no doubt heard the story about the man in Wisconsin, the guy who had part of his arms and legs amputated after contracting a really rare infection believed to have been caused by a dog lick. And now, it wasn't just that a dog licked him, but the dog licked him on an opened wound that he had, which led to the rare infection caused by a common bacteria called capnocytophagia canamorsis. Really? <laughs> capnocytophagia canamorsis, okay? Now, it's commonly found very commonly, in the mouths of dogs and cats and even humans. Uh, Medical and animal experts, though, heard this story and jumped on it right away, saying that most people have an extremely small risk of contracting it from their pet. And they stress it is no reason for anyone to give up their beloved companion. So up to 74% of dogs and 57% of cats do have some form of capnocytophagia in their mouths. And testing for your pet, though, for this bacteria is not really going to help a lot because an animal might have the bacteria one day and then the next have none. So remember, this is very rare for humans to contract the infection. In fact, experts don't even know exactly how many people are infected with it every year because there's no agency that keeps a record of these cases. It's pretty rare. They said that some people are more at risk than others. Now, those people would be those who have lost their spleen, had it taken out or removed, and people who have compromised immune systems, they are more likely to get sick from that bacteria. In fact, experts say a person without a spleen, they should go to a doctor for any dog bite, even if it's just a tiny nip that most people would never even have to worry about. Police in Indiana believe a a pet pig is better than a burglar alarm, at least in this case, because the rescued pig stopped would-be robbers from burglarizing their home in Indianapolis. (laughs) Yes, they, they broke into the home, but it turns out they didn't steal anything, these robbers. The pig's name is Dumplin'. He's a male. But apparently Dumplin' surprised these burglars who weren't apparently counting on, you know, breaking into the house and then dealing with a pig in there. So they left quickly without taking anything, but the back door did sustain a little damage. (laughs) And a terminally ill shelter dog uh, has checked off the biggest item on his bucket list. You might remember we shared Smoke's story about his bucket list and search for a forever home. That was last week. Well, the 10-year-old hound mix with advanced cancer, 
he has found his forever home to spend the rest of his days with. Yay! Yeah, everybody's pretty happy about that. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Go ahead, write this number down. It's one 405 You can talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Our next guest, like me, has a lot of uh, titles and jobs. You know, for me, I kind of co-host this show, as you know. Kind of? Co- yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, after the show, I have to clean the bathrooms <laughs> around Animal Radio. And pick too. up the Somebody's animal waste. Yeah. And so that includes the human bathrooms and, of course, all the litters and everything around yes, here. Yes. And then I usually have to run and get coffee and food for everybody here. And donuts. So I, I have a lot of work that I do here. Our next guest, Russ Kennedy, he's the Airport Response Coordination Center duty officer. He's also the assistant airport security, and he's part of BASH. What is BASH, you say? That's Bird and Wildlife Strike Hazard Team. And uh, we welcome him to the show. This is Russ Kennedy. Hi, Russ. How are you? Doing well, sir. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you very much for taking time out of your job to talk with us. You're in West Virginia, right? That's correct. We're in uh, downtown Charleston. Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, you work at the airport over there. That's correct. Yeager Airport. And you are responsible for, I guess, getting rid of birds and wildlife off the runways so that uh, planes don't uh, hit them or get them sucked into engines or cause accidents pretty much, right? That's correct, yes. And you have a partner, a brand new partner to help you. I believe it's a dog? It is. I have a, uh, currently uh, we have a four-year-old border collie named Greg. Uh Uh-huh. And he is here from a company out of North Carolina called Fly Away Geese. Fly Away Geese. Greg (laughs) is here, basically, he's teaching me how to do the job while we await our full-time border collie, who's a year and a half, and his name is Hercules, named after the uh, C-130s that uh, share the airfield with us with the 130th airlift wing. Okay, so explain, what is Greg's job and what will Hercules' job be? Basically, his job is just as you said. He chases the uh, the wildlife off the airstrip to keep from uh, having any issues getting ingested into an aircraft or uh, or striking possibly a windshield or or anything else that would create you know damage to the aircraft or a danger to the aircraft or the passengers on the commercial airlines. Hmm. Greg is a border collie, uh, so does he just roam freely around the airstrip? I mean, how does that work? Not not really. Basically, what we do is we have a vehicle that Greg rides in, and we'll go out in the airfield, and we will look for animals. He is trained in the aspects the same as a border collie, which would, uh, would herd sheep. We have specific commands that we can give him out on the airfield to push animals left, right, forward. Um, we use him 
to run geese off of a local park that's right in the flight path but down the hill from us that uh, they have a, a pond that the geese and ducks will congregate in and we'll use them down there we'll put him in the water he actually loves to swim we actually went <laughs> went down this morning and and harassed some geese and uh, basically the commands we give him we can he's, he's almost like he's remote controlled we can turn him left right forward <laughs> that's got to be a fun job for a dog does he ever try to catch him no, being a border collie, his instinct isn't to hurt. He's uh, we, we say he's PETA friendly. His job is he wants to herd the animals. He doesn't want to hurt them. And this includes, of course, rabbits, which uh, I guess rabbits might be the prey, let's say, I guess, of uh, some birds, right? Right. We we have several raptor species in the area that, with Greg pushing the, the rabbits outside of the, the fence area, that gets them away from the air surfaces and uh, basically keeps them out of the way of the airfield and, and away from the aircraft. So what made you decide to get a dog to do this? Do you have a big issue there? Or I guess all airports have that type of issue, don't they? We don't really have a huge issue with them, but it's kind of proactive. Uh, we team up with the USDA's wildlife management team, and this program, the Bird and Wildlife Airstrike Hazard Program, is part of their uh, idea, and basically they brought up the idea of the, the border collies that uh, have been immensely used on golf courses mm to harass geese and ducks out of their water hazards and their ponds. The idea was if they can be used at golf courses to get rid of geese and ducks, why couldn't they be used at airports, military installations, to move the uh, wildlife out of areas that they, they shouldn't be in? Hey, Russ, are you a dog guy? I am. I actually have a one-year-old uh, female husky that's at home. But Border Collies are so incredibly smart. What are you finding out about Greg as you're working with him? Just that. He's he's very intelligent. He's And that's the reason why they brought Greg to us prior to Hercules coming on board is Greg being four years old and being well-versed in how to do his job, he is actually teaching me what to look for once Hercules gets here. Hercules being a year and a half, he's going to be a little more of a pup. He's going to be a little more uh, energetic. Greg is showing me this is how Hercules should act once he gets here. That way I can know the difference between a, a good reaction, a bad reaction, and we can correct as need be if he's doing something he shouldn't be. So the two of them will work smart. together? We will actually keep Greg for about two weeks once Hercules comes on board and work with both of them. Hercules is basically going to learn from Greg. Greg's basically going to teach him the ropes of being at Jaeger Airport specifically. Now, I know it costs like ten to 20000 to train service dogs. What is the cost to train these dogs? Are they very expensive? Uh, around about the same amount, yes, ma'am. Wow. And how long will he work? How many years do they work until? It really depends upon the dog. Um, Usually they they work them about eight to ten years, but we work hand in hand with a local veterinarian that will keep on his health. And if it's a point that in eight years he's still you know working well, he's got all his health and he's he's not showing any any signs of age, and you know we can work him a little longer. Now, if it's a point that the veterinarian says you know he's reached his his maximum years, then we'll retire him. 
We are with Russ Kennedy, a man of many jobs over at the Charleston, West Virginia airport. And he has the honor of working with Greg, a border collie who helps him clear the runway of birds and other fowl and also has a few other jobs. We'll find out what those are next. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagging tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com. He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We are with Russ Kennedy. Now get this, he's the Airport Response Coordination Center Duty Officer. At uh, the Charleston, West Virginia Airport. He also is the assistant to airport security. And he's also the handler of Greg and Hercules. These are dogs at the airport there that help scare away bird and fowl and other things that could really make your flight a bad day. Hey, the, these dogs seem to be males. Is there a difference between males and females or is that just kind of a coincidence? Males are generally sent to airports, military installations due to the fact that they are as the flyaway geese call them, intact males. Oh, wow. So when they mark their territory, the birds and the other animals don't know the difference between Greg and a wolf or a coyote. Wow, that's interesting. all, All they're seeing smelling is a predator in their territory. With the coyotes and and other wild dogs, they'll mark their territory over top of Greg, later Hercules. And of course, we're going to take him out the next morning. He's going to do the same thing. (laughs) So they're going to get tired of their territory being encroached on, and they're just going to go find somewhere else to hunt. Mm. With the other animals, they're going to get tired of being harassed. We're not getting food here. We're constantly being harassed by what they feel is a predator. So they're going to go find somewhere else that's easier pickings. You said that uh, Greg is like a remote controller. It's like you had a remote control for Greg. How do you tell them to go right or left? We have specific commands. That okay. Basically, if we give the command, and it sounds kind of funny because it's away to me, we'll send him to the left. Come by, sends him to the right. Hmm, very interesting. Where does uh, Greg live at night? Does he have a home? Does he go home with anybody? He stays here at the airport. He has his own room and board. Mm-hmm. Um, we have other ARC duty officers that uh, are here, and basically they're here until the airport closes for commercial traffic, and he stays in the uh, what we call the Airport Response Coordination Center, or ARC. Mm-hmm. And basically, he just sits in here. He's got his own little sit sitting area he'll stay in here with us unless we take him out on the airfield and then at 11 he goes to bed he has bedtime sure and he goes to bed and he's not he's he's in his own room the lights are out doors are closed he has no stimulation as far as visual or sense or anything that way he kind of gets a good eight hours worth of rest and then the next morning monday through friday when i come in I'll get him out of his room, we'll go out on the airfield, we'll work, 
And then he gets Saturdays and Sundays off. He just sits around the ark and uh, and plays fetch, just like a regular dog. Is this common for most airports? It's not at this time, um, mostly due to the expense and the uh, the availability of trained dogs. Um, but with the USDA wildlife back in the programs you're probably going to see a lot more. The uh, The first well-known uh, airfield dog was Piper. And he, it was a point where he was just, we do the same thing with Greg. He was basically a big PR. <laughs> and, and, I mean, people love to see sure. dogs. Mm-hmm. So, sure. you know, we'll get the airlines to announce that, hey, Greg is about to go out and do his job and where he's going to be. Oh, wow. That's very and, cool. If it's inclement weather, we can also use him to kind of calm down passengers. If we have a young child that's never flown before, or even an adult that's never flown before, we can take Greg upstairs and kind of walk him through. And you know, most people love to see a dog. Sure. Sure. Oh, yeah. One of the stories I love to tell is a passenger probably about three weeks back now posted on our Facebook page but she was having the worst day ever. She was flying out. It was inclement weather, so there were several delays, several cancellations due to the, the weather up and down the coast. And you know, she had was going on a short vacation. Well, now she's missed her, her connection, and she's stuck here. Well, unbeknownst to me, I walked Greg out into the, the concourse where she was at, and just by chance walked right past her. Greg went over and said hi. <laughs> and she she <laughs> patted him and, and you know, it calmed her down and she was like, you know, you've just made my day a thousand times better. Wow. Yeah. And then the next thing I know I was getting a text message from our assistant director that there was a, a young lady in Concourse C that was not happy. Mm. And I, text, <laughs> I texted him back and said, yeah, I think we'll be right there. Met. <laughs> <laughs> She's happy now. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. It sounds like Greg has as many jobs as you and me. <laughs> he does. He does. He just doesn't have clean bathrooms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Russ, thank you so much for spending time with us. Will you give uh, Greg and Hercules, when Hercules is in there, a big old hug from all of us here at Animal Radio? Will do. We are looking forward to Hercules coming to us at the end of the month. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, if, if you've got Instagram and uh, Facebook, like him on Instagram. He's going to have a lot of pictures up there. We have a young lady, uh, Paige Butcher, is our, our public relations secretary for Greg, and she's going to put it out there, you know, putting the pictures up for him, and, and just it's going to be a great thing. We love him. Awesome. Well, you know what? We've already threatened to, to dognap Greg if, if Hercules doesn't hurry up and get here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go ahead and put links to that so that you can check out the Instagram page over at AnimalRadio.pet. Russ Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Russ. Bye-bye. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Helen Brown, and in the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a cat who just wanted a home and someone to love. Her website's HelenBrown.com. And thank you, Helen Brown, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, we love talking to you. That, that's my favorite part of the job. I like coming in and talking to you toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. If you have a question for Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani, they're here. They can answer. Our world-famous dream team can answer your questions right now on Animal Radio. This hour, we're going to hear a flashback from an interview that took place in, I believe, 2006. Is that correct? that long ago. Long time ago. Hmm. An interview we did here on Animal Radio with what has to be the top voiceover artist for a cartoon in the world. In the world. Wow, we had him on our show? Yes, we had this person on the show. Can I say who it is? We've had a few guests. I just was looking through this list. We've had over a 1,000 guests on the show. Are you kidding? Isn't that hard to believe? Wow. This one comes back to mind. Nancy Cartwright. Oh, yes. Okay. She is the voice of Bart Simpson. And she's also a big animal lover. Don't have a cow man. This hour you'll hear from her. Yeah. 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 What are you working on over there? Um, there's one of the, the biggest cities in the country, you guys. In fact, it's on one of the top 10 biggest cities in the country. And they are going to be not cat herding, but cat counting. And we're talking every single cat in this major city. Mm. <laughs> Did I get that one already? Let me see. One, two. No, I got to start over again. Where was I? Really, it's going to take a lot of people. Really, they think it's going to take three years. But we'll tell you where it is and why and what's the point of all this and how you can help too. In three years, it could, the count is going to change. From when they first started, they're going to have to keep looping it. This has got six be- months. It's going to change. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> Good point. Mm. Okay, and I'm, I'm sure the taxpayers are paying for this too, right? No, it was a grant. Oh, that's nice to know. Our grant money well spent. That's coming up. You'll find out more about that with Lori Brooks at the bottom of the hour. And let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Mark on the phone. Hey, Mark, what's up? Yeah, I'm an 11-year-old rat terrier, and he's never had his teeth cleaned, and I'm getting a lot of frightening numbers when I just called around to vets. Is there any way of doing this in a cheaper way? Okay. $800 and stuff like that. Okay. And, you know, oh, gosh. You know, Mark, it's it's really hard to give an accurate number for a dental cleaning over the phone, first of all, um, especially if your baby's never had teeth cleaning. Um, in 11 years, there's a lot of stuff that can settle in and a lot of problems that can settle along those gums. Um, right. So the hard thing is to try to find a price-conscious price, conscious price uh, for a dental cleaning and one that's going to still do, do your doggy uh, justice. So for me, I'd make sure if you're getting those quotes over the phone, the first thing would be to make sure you do get someone to actually look in your dog's mouth and to see because some dog mouths are really quite horrendous and have a lot of work that needs to be done others may not be so bad so before you make that judgment on on where you're going to go with things um, get that uh, you know eyeball on your dog's eye uh, mouth if you will Um, but as far as uh, cost of the dental cleaning it's going to depend a lot on what we've got going on so a basic dental cleaning may just in 
be scaling, polishing, taking tartar off the teeth. But if we've got loose teeth, we need antibiotics, or if there's going to be the need for surgical extractions, then that price definitely goes up. So um, while I don't have a guess an easy answer for that. Um, you might just check around, do a little bit of shopping. Um, but some other alternatives for folks, if you're looking for dental care and maybe you need that and you know you need an $800 dental cleaning that entails extractions and antibiotics and pain medicine and you know that's something your dog needs, you can look for some other resources if you're looking to get some help for that. One tip might be to check if you're in a state that has a veterinary school, um, they train veterinarians to clean dogs teeth um, and many uh, schools also many states also have veterinary technology programs so basically the vet nurses that do this procedure in the vet offices so if you check to see if those type of uh, schools are in your area you might be able to come in um, at a discounted rate um, kind of like my mom when we were kids we always went to the hairdresser and it was the hairdresser school um, so we never really had a professional uh, haircut when we were kids but you know <laughs> Hey, it was great. It helped, you know, future hairstylists get a good education, and my mom saved some money on that. So there's no harm in that. So um, if you need some resources there, you can check out uh, veterinaryschools.com as well as just searching for veterinary uh, accredited schools. Um, outside of that, if you're looking for other assistance financially for veterinary care, um, the Humane Society does have a listing of some different resources state by state that you might be able to find to help you with the costs of um, veterinary care. Um, but I guess the bottom line here, Mark, is that when we have those teeth that haven't been touched by a veterinarian in 11 years, it's, it's going to take some work. Um, so um, I would be cautious. Um, anybody can clean teeth, but if we leave diseased teeth in, then we're not doing your doggy any good. So um, unfortunately, cost uh, may guide you towards the best veterinary care that your doggy needs. Okay. I have another question. He just went through a bout with um, being constipated pretty bad. I mean, I got to the point I was giving him enemas and stuff. I don't know what caused it, but I, he eats pretty good food, cleaner one beyond, and, and uh, okay. has no cream in it or anything. Also, he still has a little bit of trouble constipation. I have a question about bones. He loves bones, and I know the cow bones, he can't chew them up and eat them so much. He leaves it behind. But I know with the pork bones, he can chew them and eat them and swallow the whole bone. Is that bad for him? Yeah, I am not a fan of bones, I'll tell you that. Any bones, whether they're cow bones or pork bones, any bone that a dog chews on can be exercised for the teeth. Now, if your doggy has rotten teeth and he needs them cleaned, I'm going to tell you, take those bones away because that's going to be painful for him while he, until he gets his teeth taken care of. But any bones that dogs chew, they can break off shards, get those stuck. Um, I've seen bone shards go down the esophagus, get puncture through into the respiratory tract it can really be some bad stuff so it's not the best way to deal with um, de maintaining dental care um, and then I also want to ask you regarding the constipation thing there Mark is your dog neutered yes great because um, that would be something that can be a cause if a dog's not neutered a male dog's not neutered they can have prostate problems oh. so so yeah you might you might make sure you get your your little guy into the vet and just um, you know have them look at from the head to toe and see what's going on there dietary wise a lot of times we can uh, find some solutions for constipation and you know sometimes something as simple as giving canned pumpkin can help kind of loosen up the stools or even bulk them up a little bit so 
Yeah, I did that once. He, he ate it once, and he wouldn't touch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of pumpkin pies. <laughs> well, I hope that's helpful for you there, Mark. And, and give your your fella, your old fella there, 11-year-old rat here, give him a pat on the head from us and uh, all our best doggy wishes for him. All right, thank you. I'll look into that vet school. Thanks for calling, Mark. I appreciate it. one 405 8405 You had a dental Dental cleaning something you got to do because you can get a lot of fatal diseases if you don't do that. Is it generally more expensive for a cat or a dog to get their teeth cleaned? You know, I think it tends to be more expensive for cats because most people don't see the need for a regular preventative care for cats, so it gets a lot more advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with anything, prevention, prevention, sometimes that 150 to $250 bill seems like a lot for a regular cleaning. But, you know, if it helps put off these bigger problems down the road, mm. um, it, it really can be a savings. But he was talking about $800. Yeah. Well, that seems in, in, steep. It, yeah. But that isn't just a cleaning. That's probably a pet who has periodontal disease. So we've already got erosion of the gums. There's advanced uh, dental disease. It probably smells pretty putrid. And you know what? I got, bet it also includes blood work and things of that nature for an old elderly dog. In generally, yeah. Like in my office, uh, you know, a dog of that age would have blood work. We'd have an IV in place. And, you know, they, they get antibiotics because we know there's infection. We don't want to disturb those bacteria, send those into the bloodstream, and have those cause problems. So we want to make sure we protect the babies. And for God's sake, get rid of those bones. And even yeah. even rawhide, too. I guess uh, compressed rawhide is what you re- recommend, right. isn't it? Yeah, I'm a fan of that just because it lasts longer, gives them a good chewing ability. Um, but, you know, any pet that has injured teeth, if they're, they have advanced dental disease or we have problem teeth, that's not how we want to intervene. So I, that's when I take those chew toys away and make sure we get the teeth taken care of before you reintroduce, mm. reintroduce that. Okay. I have a weird question for Dr. Debbie. What's your weird question? I have a friend who said that in the middle of the night, and this dog is a deaf dog, was sleeping with her, woke up and started barking like Cujo, just growling. And I had a dog a long time ago. Uh, Maffy, my first rescue bulldog, he had walked to the center of the room. I was just, you know, I think I was on my computer at the time, and about 15 feet away from me, he walks over, stands there, and starts barking at nothing in the middle of a room. But it was exactly the same spot where my husband had passed away. So is there this kind of weird thing? Do you ever hear stories like that, Dr. Debbie? Well, I mean, I, I can't comment on whether it's, you know, something paranormal, but there certainly are different types of sleep disorders, um, that will cause problems and, uh, where a pet might wake up, um, have abnormal behaviors, um, anything from an actual seizure to vocalization to kind of movements of the body. Um, but then there's just dogs that wake up from a dream and that are actually just like us, disturbed because they've had something that was startling in a dream. And, uh, you know, we can't really ask them, you know, tell us what you saw. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think those things are probably, not to say more likely, because I can't comment on the paranormal yeah, aspect. No, but, I but I think there certainly could be a behavioral or a medical cause for something like that. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. And now an Animal Radio News Brief. 
A Missouri woman's pet chihuahuas are accused of literally scaring her neighbor's pet chicken to death, and she's facing some criminal charges as a result of it. According to the Kansas City Star, Joy McDonald has been slapped with a misdemeanor charge of failing to control her pets, Peaches and Domino, after the dogs got loose and into her neighbor's yard. McDonald tells the paper that she had to restrain her laughter when she first received a phone call from her screaming and cursing neighbor who told her his chicken was dead because Peaches and Domino barked at it. Well, McDonald believes the bird may have suffered a heart attack, but there's no official cause of death. Her laughter uh, quickly died down, though, when the neighbors sent over the police to her house. The Missouri woman says she tried to offer 30 bucks as compensation for the loss, but the neighbor turned it down. McDonald is due back in court this month to defend herself. She denies that her dogs are killers, but has since built an outside pen to keep them from getting loose. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. When you arrive at almost any airport in the world, you'll see cars on display in the terminals. This is true at Frankfurt Airport in Germany. But just to add a twist, you can win a new Jaguar I-Pace when buying liquor from the duty-free shop. All you have to do to win is keep your receipt and follow the instructions. A new Jaguar I-Pace could be yours. An $80,000 vehicle for the cost of a bottle of booze. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Last hour... Lori Brooks reported on the licky disease. What's the licky disease, Lori? Um, what is it? Oh, capnocytophagia canamorsis. Now, have you just practiced for hours? That was really good. <laughs> I, I Well, because, you know, I went to nursing school oh. and I thought, hmm. But so I, I did happen to go online and I heard all of this. You know, I went to all the how to pronounce these. And I'm like, they kept say, saying cytophaga. Cytophaga, and I'm thinking, uh-uh, I know it's phasia. So I, I finally went found like a medical site with pronunciations. I'm like, okay, we were right. <laughs> Somebody apparently just had their limbs amputated because of this licky disease. Now, the first thing I want to mention really fast is that this is a very rare disease. Do not. Absolutely, under any circumstances. Don't panic. Yeah, don't get rid of your animals. Yeah, I wanted to see. It doesn't really say where they were licked at on their body. You know, I don't think it really matters. In you know, this is something I've been feeling a lot of questions on. So I think everyone's kind of getting caught in. Oh my gosh, the guy caught it from his dog licking him. But this is rare. It's a bacteria that is common in dogs' mouths. There's types in cat mouths, and even in people, they have the same variety of this bacteria we carry in our mouths. It's a normal uh, bacteria that is just a uh, normal commensal bacteria. Mm. What happens is there can be individuals that are immunosuppressed, so they don't have a normal immune system. And they may be people who have had their spleen removed um, from something else, say like an injury where they had to have their spleen removed. Um, people that have cancer on chemotherapy, um, they may have, actually we see it in people who have heavy alcohol use, like alcoholics. Um, wow. But anything that really affects um, an individual's immune system, um, they are going to be more 
apt to have this kind of thing. So it's rare for a normal, healthy individual to have something like this. And it's still even rare in that kind of unusual group of um, people with weak immune systems. We just don't see this all the time. How many times have you seen this in your career? Well, I mean, I don't treat people, so yeah. I've never seen it, <laughs> thankfully. But, you know, this is a normal bacteria, so it's not like you would go to your veterinarian and say, hey, test my pet for this bacteria, because we know about 74% of dogs actually have this bacteria in their mouths. But it's not causing them any disease. It's not something we're going to say, here's an antibiotic, get rid of this uh, bacteria. It is unfortunately just a freak occurrence that can happen with certain individuals. So um, I guess the, the thing that I take away from this is that, you know, it's always smart to not allow animals to lick open wounds. Um, you know, anything that might have um, a breach in the skin, it's just not a good idea. You want to keep that covered, keep it clean, and not just from your pet licking it, but from other things in the environment that can contaminate a wound. But, you know, also anything that doesn't seem right, you develop a, an infection, a wound, you know, see your, see your physician. You know, this is something that we would encourage people to seek medical care right away when you have any concerns. Hmm. You mentioned that this uh, this is transferred through open wounds. What about, you know, like Judy, she kisses her dog a lot. They do the tonguing thing. Uh, <laughs> Not true. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Well, oh. I mean, yeah. I mean, sure, she there's may the potential. S- she slips it every once in a while, but it's not intentional. Yeah. I got an accidental tongue from Tater last night. Okay, so we, we, all, we all get a little accidental tongue every <laughs> once in a while, okay? it's It's got to happen. But is is that dangerous? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, mouth, licking the mouth, um, we can have problems where this bacteria can be transmitted through eye um, infections as well, um, and even respiratory disease. So, um, you know, that's why I'm saying you cannot stop handling animals because you're afraid of a very remote, unusual disease. But if you are an individual with an extra risk factor or someone in your home, then we want to make sure we always keep your pet in, you know, prime health. Okay, so you got to keep that uh, kissing and tonguing to a minimum. But you guys, I didn't get to read anything that had um, anything on the guy's medical condition. What would have, you know, if he was on chemotherapy or had some autoimmune disorder or did mm-hmm. not have a spleen. Um, so we, we don't really know, but that's likely what it was because apparently they think that it took hold pretty quickly. And it wasn't his whole arms or legs. I do know that. It was, uh, um, it, it comes on like a gangrene in um, people. That's why they had to amputate because of that. But he also, he just, he showed up at the hospital thinking he had the flu. Yeah. And I bet it could get misdiagnosed pretty easily, too. Yeah. And there are cases that aren't that severe, too. But I bet they will start keeping track of these cases now. Okay. What are you working on for this hour? What dreadful news do you have for us this hour? (laughs) I'm not a woman of dreadful news, Helen. You know that. I know that. Um, I have actually a rather interesting story I'm curious to find out and to tell you about how high a dog pees, say, on a tree. <laughs> like when they lift their leg to pee. I probably said too much already, haven't I? I mean, you're going, what is she talking about? There, there is some science behind you, how high your dog lifts its leg to urinate. Oh. So we'll give you we'll give you the, the new information behind that. I can't okay? wait. Can I just say that I think this show is a bit wacky. It, it is a little Today. Wacky. You mean more than normal? <laughs> yes. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like some of what we're talking about, I, you know, yeah. I have to step back and say, this is kind of crazy. That's like a car wreck, <laughs> isn't it? But you're all here and everybody's listening, aren't they? Dogs or cats? 
horse or emu. Animals are people too. You'll be happy to know that there has been a happy ending to the recent iguana penis saga. Mozart, an iguana at the Brussels Zoo, recently suffered from some of those symptoms you see on TV commercials. He had iguana romance, but his penis remained erect. Mozart was in some discomfort and having trouble walking. Zookeepers tried cold water, introducing more female iguanas into his enclosure. That doesn't sound like a great idea to me, but it all failed. So Mozart had an operation to remove his penis. Lucky for Mozart, iguanas have two penises. He has since been introduced back to his girlfriends at the zoo, and officials report that the operation hasn't affected his romantic abilities at all. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The Dig Guard prevents dogs from digging under the fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing too. Thousands of customers have used a Pet Playgrounds dog fence to keep their dogs safe over the past 10 years. Order your fence at petplaygrounds.com and use the coupon code Animal Radio to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. Visit petplaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. We'll ship it to your door in 10 days or less. Visit petplaygrounds.com for the best. Visit petplaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. This is an Animal Radio News update. I'm Lori Brooks. We all know dogs can communicate through scent, right? I mean, like sniffing around the bushes and trees of your neighborhood and the grass or the park or wherever they are, kind of tells them the story of what's going on. So they like to leave their mark too, so other animals know that they've been there. We also know that some male dogs lift their legs in order to pee higher. Uh, however, there's some new research out that finds smaller dogs actually lift their legs at an even higher angle than larger dogs do, <laughs> and perhaps it's to make themselves appear larger, taller, oh bigger, so they'll have a higher scent mark on that tree or bush. Pretty smart, huh? Mm -hmm. This study was published in the Journal of Zoology. The researchers at Cornell University actually took a bunch of shelter dogs out for walks and filmed them peeing. Then they analyzed how a dog's size compared to how high it lifted its leg and at what angle. They found that both lighter weight and shorter dogs lifted their legs to higher angles than larger dogs did. The little dogs, they say, seem to be trying to leave a pee signature of a larger dog. You know, to kind of cheat by using higher raised leg angles to leave higher urine marks, thus exaggerating their size to. Other dogs that would come along and sniff and smell at that later. You have a little dog, you Judy. Know, that is so true. I never thought about that. I walk a lot of dogs, and the big dogs just lift their legs. Well, if you see the little dogs, they kind of back up, and they lift like both legs up, sometimes even totally off the ground and don't touch anything and try to get. They do get higher. I didn't know that it was a dog thing to lift their leg to pee higher. I thought it was a thing that most male dogs did just because they were male. 
No, no, mine's a female, and females do I it know. too. And the and the little dog next door that does it, practically standing on her head, um, <laughs> she's a female too. All right, you guys, it's not herding cats, but counting cats might prove to be as difficult as herding them because a coalition of animal groups in Washington, D.C., has started the Great D.C. Cat Count, which is going to try to create a more accurate estimate of the city's entire cat population. That's right, the entire cat population, so both feral and pet cats. This project is expected to take three years and cost about $1.5 million. They're hoping the information will help improve efforts to manage the city's cat population. And the project will use a whole host of different strategies to arrive at a total cat population count, including an app that they're coming out with allowing residents to snap their images of cats that they come across and encounter. Finally, there's this dog groomer in Japan that is literally turning dogs into fluff balls. Her name is Yuriko Hamachio, and she clips small dogs literally into a ball, cutting their hair so that they look like a soft, fluffy, round ball, or a ball with legs, rather. We do have this picture, and you have got to see it because it is pretty it's funny. It's adorable. Reminds, it so cute. It reminded me of like these the ancient sheep, or not ancient, but you know, in olden times, Victorian sheep in London, you know, where they have big wool coats. But it's really cute. So we put it on our website for you. Yes. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. And now an animal radio flashback. This next celebrity, she is uh, probably one of the best known celebrities we've had on the show, except if you run into her in the supermarket, you're probably not going to recognize her. No, even if you hear her voice, you probably won't recognize sure her. Sure, you voice. will. You think so? Yeah. Does that ever happen to you, Nancy? Are you at the cash register at, at, at uh, let's say, a supermarket and you're checking out and you say something and somebody says, hey, I know who you are? You know what? Rarely. Because when you hear my normal voice, which is the one I'm using right now, yes. um, I don't think I sound like, like, here's, here's Bart Simpson, right? What's happening, man? Yo! Judy, hi! What's happening, dudes? Uh, Nancy Cartwright, Bart Simpson, and of course, a multitude of other voices. Tell us about your pets at home. We have tons of pets. Really? Um, I live on a, a one-acre ranch-style well, it's a kind of a country farmhouse, and we, we just got finished renovating it. I've got uh, two dogs. I've got a golden retriever named Lydia um, and a little mixed dog, Buddy. He's kind of, I think he's a, he's a combination of like a, a black lab and a, and, a do, and a Dalmatian and a Ferrari because he runs really fast. <laughs> he's a cool little guy, a little Buddy. And we have three cats. We have Emma, who's totally black, and then there's Pip-Pip and Cheerio. <laughs> and you know what? We just got, we put in this um, saltwater fish tank, uh-huh. and we've got the most beautiful, oh, I am in love. We've got seahorses. We've got these oh, two wow. seahorses, and they're so yummy. They're just like, they're magical. And I just, every day going down there, and they're, you know, you have to, to take a little bit of extra care to, to feed them because uh-huh. they don't have the abilities like normal fish do, but, but they just kind of dance and they swirl and they go with the flow of the water, and they're starting to get more confidence with, with this environment because they've only been with me since 
I don't know, the second week of January. So uh-huh. they're really getting they're getting acclimated to this space, and oh, they're just magical. Well, now, don't they uh, normally carry the children in uh, uh, the mail? The mail usually. Yeah, it's it's quite a different system where. The female has the eggs, and then she plants them into the male, mm-hmm. and then the male, they get, they get embedded into the interior lining of the male's pouch. Mm-hmm. Then he will, um, he, whatchamacallit, fertilizes them, and then he incubates them for, the, the, like for two to three weeks and feeds them internally and then actually gives birth to them. And wow. he, they can have as many as 1,500 little baby seahorses at wow. one, one have, shot. Have you gone through that process yet? No, not yet. Me personally? <laughs> Me personally, I've carried my own two babies. <laughs> and do you know if you have a male and a female? We do. We have one of each. And typically the males are a little bit smaller than the females. I'll tell you, this little female, her name is Giddyup. They're Giddyup and Seabiscuit. And little Giddyup, she is amazing because within two days, she was just totally exploring the entire tank. She would, she would float, she would lift her body, and she would just float up to the top, kind of go up to the top. Then she would lay horizontal, and then the weight of her snout, and then when she would curl her tail, it would form a ballast, and like a parachute, she would drop down to the bottom. Wow. And she would just dance and swirl and then spiral across. She just is in love being here. She, it's just, and it's just terrific watching them. They're, so, they're much better than a television. Oh, yes. <laughs> if you have too many babies, can you spay and neuter seahorses? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think I want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. Well, now, are you specious? Uh, we have uh, fish, we have cats, we have dogs. Which one do you like the most? Oh, gosh. No, they, yeah, they, it's sort of like friends or children. They all give you, mm-hmm. you get different, you know, different kinds of love and you get different kinds of um i don't know it's a, it's a different kind of a flow with each one of them they all have their benefits yeah absolutely lydia the golden retriever she's just you know she just comes up to you and immediately she's down on her back wanting you to scratch her <laughs> tummy and buddy tries to jump up in your lap but he's way too big for that and he wants to go home with you he thinks he's a human <laughs> everybody wants to take buddy home and the cats the cats are really kind of like our office cats our I have an office space. We converted a, I have a separate garage that's detached from the house. Mm-hmm. And we keep the cats over there, and they sort of rule the place. They have their own baskets in the office, and they jump up at the end of the day. They always know that it's getting towards the end of the day, and people are going to be leaving. So, of course, they hop up on my assistant's desk, and Cheerio is such a big fat. He's kind of a marmalade-colored little guy. Uh-huh. But with a big head, and you kind of want to, like, squeeze him, you know? <laughs> I love my pets. And, you know, they're living on this, this kind of farm, we've, we, I've sort of turned it back into the original farm that it was. We're building a, a big old barn. And I have a, I guess my prize pet probably would be my life-size fiberglass Holstein cow. <laughs> and milk dud. <laughs> milk dud? Yeah. You said That's, fiberglass, right? He's fiberglass. She, she's fiberglass. But you know what? She's, like I said, milk dud. She doesn't actually give milk, unfortunately. But That's the name. Well, I had to do it because of the don't have a cow, man, because I decided I should have a cow. <laughs> We're talking with Nancy Cartwright, of course, the voice of uh, many cartoon voices, but most prominently the uh, voice of Bart Simpson uh, from The Simpsons. As, as a youngster, you, I guess you've had pets. You say you love pets. You've had pets yeah. most of your life. What, what was your first pet? Cat, dog? I, just, you know, I don't know if other kids make this mistake, but, man, when I grew up, I always thought the dogs were the males and cats were females. Sure. I understand that. <laughs> 
<laughs> figure. That is just like, I don't know how old I was before I figured out that mistake. Wow. And then you get to the real world and you realize that the seahorses are, are having the babies and that, and that the birds are, the boy birds are usually the prettier birds, which doesn't apply in the human world. Exactly. Exactly. Um, no, as a kid, we, we always had dogs growing up. Um, mostly I remember our dog that we had named Barney, and Barney was a schnauzer, cocker, spaniel, dachshund mix, schnock a cock a I think was the, <laughs> the correct term for him. Did you ever practice any of your character voices on your pets when you were younger? You know what? You get a T-shirt for that. <laughs> Nobody has asked me that question. Oh. It always amazes me that after all these years that, you know, somebody can actually come up with a fresh question I've never answered before. But no, I have never used my animals as guinea pigs. <laughs> this has been an Animal Radio Flashback. Listen to more Animal Radio at animalradio.pet. My mom wants a grandson, so I gave her one. Kind of. <laughs> Meet Xander, a rescue dog who thinks he's a lion. Sometimes Xander gets messy when mom takes him for an adventure, and that's where the bark bath comes in. Specially designed nozzles get beneath the fur for a deep clean. It's faster than a traditional bath, which leaves time for the important things, like watching a sunset. The Bark Bath from Bissell. The faster, easier, less messy way to bathe your dog. Visit GetBarkBath.com to learn more. Talent Cable, see if this sounds familiar. When you first see him, he gets all excited and jumps up. Yes. And he's such a big dog. When he jumps on me, it's when I get out of the car. So this is a common problem we've talked about many times before. When a dog does this, when a dog jumps on you, he's totally disrespecting you and your space. So you have to teach your dog that you're in charge. Your dog has to learn to respect you and your space. So, But how do you get him to, like, is it a command? That's part of it, but commands don't work until a dog respects you. Other things that are an important part of it is walking your dog every day so that he's by your side on a leash, teaching him to enter the house after you, teaching him to leave the house after you, teaching him you're in charge of the toys and the food, and space. Basically, teaching him rules and structure. And when you teach your dog these things, you assume a leadership role. So one of the most important things to learn, and we talk about this all the time, is how to give your dog a correction and when to give your dog a correction. Words don't mean much to dogs. They understand touch. And that doesn't mean you're hitting your dog. You never do that. So what am I to Jacoby? Rick's the pack leader. What am I you're under him. He thinks he's my pack leader? Well, he thinks he's higher than you in the pack. Yes. So is it too late with Jacoby? No, it's never too late. The dog's so dang strong and big. Jacoby, the biggest thing that bugs the heck out of me is he jumps. You love him a lot, though, don't you? Well, I do love I love that dog. Oh, gosh. See, and that's what's getting in your way. And he's so big. Like, when he gets excited, he jumps. It's such a stress, you know, when people come over. It's like I put the dogs in the garage because I don't want them jumping. Well, it's time to take control. All right. No, I'm going to try this. Okay. I, although I say this every time, and then I lose. You feel sorry for him, and you want to show him love. I don't want him to jump on me anymore. That's becoming a problem. I'll give you a tip. The time to pet him, when he's laying perfectly still on his blanket, you say, good dog. Pet him. If he starts getting excited, get up and walk away. He's going to figure out that, oh, okay, she wants me to lay here calm. And as soon as he does, that's when you pet him, and that's when you go, good dog. And you give him a treat. No parade, just good dog. And then you walk away. All right. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Thanks for the tips. I'm going to try them. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. And we go to Cass. Hey. Yeah. Hi, hi, how are you doing, Cass? I'm doing fairly well. Where are you calling from today? Pennsylvania. What's going on? I have the whole Dream Team here to help you. Well... Me and my boyfriend are splitting up. We've lived together three years, but we have two dogs. 
One's a year old Tuesday, and one's two years old last month. I don't know if we should split the dolls up. Do I leave them in their home that they've grown up in? Do I take them both with me? I I'm at a loss. Well, you know, I can tell you as far as a lot of folks have concern over what's going to be the best thing for the pet. And that is at least... Uh, how I might advise you is is to really, it can be challenging. We have to replace ourselves out of the situation and look at the pet's um, psychological and physical needs. And for me, uh, you know, I can't tell you what you need to do, but I can tell you what things I do advise folks to look at are going to be the ability to provide uh, time for the pets, schedule, um, you know, who has the, the resources, the housing that's going to be most compatible for the pets. And then we also have to look at the relationship of the, the dogs together, you know, if they're very bonded together um, or if, hey, when one of them's away, they, they, they can manage and get along fine and, you know, they're good if they go on trips without the other dog or what have it be. Um, but those are the things that we would look at to make that decision. Um, and I don't think anyone feels good about this decision. <laughs> um, you know, you're in a tough spot. And uh, the important thing that for the pet's well-being and their mental health is that we really just kind of want to keep the drama out of their lives as much as possible because we can get more behavioral issues, anxiety problems when um, either they sense our problems or when we start to um, make some um, greater welcomes. And, and I'll give you an example. I had a dear client of mine years ago who had an older dog who they separated and the older dog um, spent one week with one owner, one week with the next owner, and it went really well in most regards. Um, however, when she got older, and she started to develop some cognitive problems, some senility problems, it became very taxing on the dog to reacclimate to the households when she switched from one home to the other. So you have to kind of look at that and how the pet rebounds when they leave one household and return to another. But as the pet parents, the important things also is to not, you know, to, to, to be adults. And, and when you do have a household that you share custody, um, to not have um, a lot of drama about the greeting. So you might say, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Glad to see you come back to mama for a while. Um, but that actually can make them, just like a dog who has separation anxiety, those really over-exuberant greetings and departures can actually make them more amped up in the future uh, for both a departure and for um, returning to the home. So um, those kind of things you just kind of have to keep in mind if you're going to do a shared custody um, kind of arrangement. But, uh, you know, I don't know. you got young dogs, so they would be resilient. And as long as they're in good health, I think you guys got to just discuss among yourself who wants the care of the dogs, um, what their needs are going to be, and who can best suit that. So I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to that. You know, my dogs, I know why I couldn't separate them. Um, whether my wife or myself had them, I mean, I know we would both give them, you know, really good care, but um, they wouldn't be happy. They, they, they're, the four of them together are bonded. Um, when one leaves, they seem to look for the one that, that, that's, that's not in the house. Um, I, you know what, if it was me, I would, I would keep them together, and I'll take what Dr. Deb says, definitely um, whoever um, would be the better care provider, whether you know whether that be your boyfriend or you, um, I would I would keep both of them together with one person. I think it's important, especially if they if they grew up together. It's like it's almost like separating a family in my mind. Yeah, and Ladybug, did Ladybug want to chime in? She 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 not she's not going to take sides on. Okay, hopefully we've helped you, Cass, a little bit, or we've made it harder. I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm not quite sure yet either. I'll let it soak in. <laughs> okay. Good luck on that. Thanks uh, for calling. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, it is once again time for us to get on out of here. want to remind you, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's Kindle books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And we have links, by the way, to them and everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Hit the As Heard on Animal Radio link over there. Let's get out of here. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye now. This is Animal Radio Network.